out of the book of Matthew, the writings of uh, Matthew in seventh chapter. The message is titled The Fruit Manifestation. The most critical messages, sermons that Jesus preached is right here. It's a part of it. It's one that's worthy of our attention to look at and say, God, what can it do for me? For God's going to do something in this room tonight. My prayer is, God, just move the needle a little bit. Just let me get closer. Let me catch an understanding. Let me grab a truth in my spirit, man, that will help me as I move forward this week. You know, the Bible says that the little foxes do what? Spoil the vine. Just the little foxes. It's not the big events, not the big thing. It's the little thing that often causes us to get tangled up in life and then the web of deception of life, the little things. So if you say, well, that is something that is really remarkable, then what if we just catch one little nugget that's supernaturally charged through this message and say, God, do something in my life. It's part of the message that we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's, of course, Jesus is preaching about several things. Remember that he's preaching to a culture that might be a bit confused. He's got Gentiles out there that are not Jews. They don't understand the Jews. They don't like one another. They don't agree with one another. They don't walk the same path. As a matter of fact, a Jew will walk around a Gentile to keep from hitting him face to face, and a Gentile will do the same. You're talking about bad blood, and it started long, long, long before this event. And the Jews are standing there because they don't understand some of the teachings that Jesus is teaching. And they're just getting started. And it really stirs them by what Jesus is teaching here because the very foundation of what we understand, Judaism, is found here and it upsets the apple cart. And he's talking to them about godly influence. They understand that as, well, Jehovah. We know Jehovah is God. He is the first and the last. He's talking to them about the laws of God, not just the laws of the land, but the laws of God. He's talking to them about social responsibilities. Well, they understood it. I mean, if you were the head of the house, if you were the, uh, if you were the father, women did not count back then. They count now. Amen. And that was all women, by the way. They count now. And you men finally weighed in. Talking to them about social responsibilities. Talking to them a plethora of things, of taking oaths. He's talking about revenge. Because the law was in their day an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And Jesus is saying, wait a minute, that, that's not my law. That's your law. That's, a, that's an Old Testament, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. That brought justice, but that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Later on, he talked about forgiveness. He's talking about fasting. Well, they had ritual fast. He said, I'm not asking you to consider fasting as a ritual, as a part of, of the uh, different uh, events that you take place, the different festivals that take place. I'm talking to you about fasting, not just for a festival, but letting it be a part of your life. I'm talking about spiritual treasures. It's not found in your gold and your silver. It's found in your relationship. He says, I'm talking, uh, he's talking to them about worry and worldly care. Cast all your cares on me. Don't, don't be worried about what happens tomorrow. He's talking about judging. You shouldn't judge. He's talking about prayer, not just ritual prayer and prayer of recitation where you just recite a prayer. And boy, you got that down in your mind, but it doesn't come from your heart. He's talking about spiritual striving. He said, there's only two ways to go. It's up or it's down. And he deals with a couple of things in this seventh chapter. And he deals with the lure of an ungodly world, 
way back then, and he deals of the true test of discipleship. He deals with the lure of the world and the true test of discipleship. How much of God do you have? How much of God do you really have? Well, you can find out when you're tempted whether or not you're able to resist that temptation. The lure of the world will test you in that. I submitted to you this morning that the greatest battle that we face is not the battle of of more finances or relationships. It's the battle that we have in our lives with God all the time. The true test of discipleship. Your discipleship. How do you behave? How do you live out what you say that you have? And he says you can do this. You can always, you can always judge a person, though you should not judge as it relates to behavior, but you can judge this. You can judge if they say they're a, a believer, you have the right to judge their fruit. You have the right to say, well, if they say they're a believer, and they never darken the door of the church, they never witness, they never engage in spiritual activity, they never engage in worship. He said you can judge them by their fruit. And he talks to us about that in this message. He talks about production. That if you have been redeemed, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to be a follower of this crucified Lord, he says, I want you to know there should be something that produces in your life. Later on, you find that he walked by a tree that was not producing, and he just simply cursed it, and it died. Another, he whacked down. It, I mean, right there, right there. It ended. Its life ended right there. Why? It was not producing what it was supposed to produce. And you say, well, boy, that's rude. No, that's God. But in the reality, if you owned a store, that is a retail franchise, and you had a manager in that retail uh, enterprise, and ever since that manager got there, that the business had gone down, the profit margins had evaporated, it wouldn't bother you at all probably to go in there and say, you know what, since you've been here, I am losing money. You don't really have to pray about it in a business decision. You're going to have to leave because I can't afford to lose any more money because of your lack of leadership. It wouldn't bother you at all if the money's coming out of your pocket. Well, let me deal with that. Well, here's Jesus, God the Father. He says, I've given you everything in your world to live a vibrant, productive Christian life to fulfill the great commission and to bring honor and glory to me. In other words, don't get mixed up in the details of the little foxes. Live your life out, and I will, in fact, bless you beyond your imagination. We are all judged every day, aren't we, by somebody, something, someone. And our text is speaking to those who are listening, and God is simply saying, hey, here's here's what I'm asking you to do in this sermon. Greatest sermon preached is be a true blue believer. I want to talk to you about three things. Number one, I call it the Eve thing. Say that with me, the Eve thing, the Eve thing. For those of you who cannot hear, Eve is E-V-E. Matthew 7, 15. This is due warning. Try to set it in the vernacular of the contemporary. Assuming that it is today. And he says, watch out for false prophets. Now, how do you, in today's culture, relate that scripture, and how could it fit? Watch out for false prophets. 
They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are wolves. No, they are ferocious wolves. Watch out for them who say one thing and do another. And listen carefully. Wolves has integrated itself and the spirit of the wolf into culture today. Into culture today. Would you agree with me that our culture probably is the most naive culture that has ever existed? Our culture today will believe almost anything. It sets up, how do you know that? Because in the last days, that spirit to be able to believe a lie will be greater than it's ever been. Here's what he's saying. Watch out. Watch out for the wolf. Watch out for hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. In other words, you're not the real deal. Watch out. He said it looks good, but it's superficial. It's just skin deep. Watch out. It, inside, it looks great, but it is rotten to the core. It is absolutely rotten to the core. It is the lie of Satan's power to trick people into falling for his lives. I call that the Eve thing. Because Satan lied to Eve. Eve lied. Adam took the bait. And that is the Eve culture. So here's the story in Genesis 3 that proves the Eve thing. The serpent was wise to human nature. You might say, well, how was the serpent wise to, uh, to human nature? Because a carnal nature resides in the mind and the heart of Satan himself. Carnal nature. Everything that he authors creates out of sin. Of course, he deceived her with a lie other than the truth. The tree looked good. The fruit was beautiful. This fruit was more beautiful than all. The fruit was pleasing. So he approached Eve with something, a little bit of truth. Isn't that the way the devil always works? A little bit of the truth to lure you in, and yet the rest of it is a lie. And with all the senses of human nature, all the senses of human nature, it looks good, it tastes good, it feels good. And the world in which we live does not protect us from evil. The only thing that protects us from evil is the power of the Holy Spirit and the spirit man that lives in each of us. We know that spirit man can resist the devil. It promotes evil. Whether it's drugs or alcohol, lust, sex, internet, it's easy. Pornography, movies, wealth, riches. A lady came up to me at uh, Walgreens uh, earlier this afternoon, somewhere around 10 minutes to 4. She had a red box thing. In other words, a, what, what, what do you call those little red? Is it a call a red box? Is, is that what it is? Somebody come on, help me. It's a red box. She had apparently a video. I knew it must have been the red box because it said red box on it. it. said video on it. She walked up to me. Hi, pastor. Hi, how are you? She said, do you know how to put this video back in that red box out there? I said, man, I've never touched one of them. I don't know how to put it in there. I don't know anything about it. I don't know whether you got to have a code or a number. I don't know whether you've got to have a credit card or anything else. You're going to have to ask somebody that knows. I don't know anything about it. Nothing. Nothing wrong with Redbox. 
They probably got they probably got some great videos there that a person can see. But listen, you know how easy it is to walk up to the red box and get you a movie that may not be pleasing to God in the privacy of your home and say, well, let's look at this. Because the devil always makes it easy. You see, wealth and riches... What's some of the lies? It's the law. The laws in our land today protect the perpetrator. Religion is a religion of convenience. Just a little down will do you. He said, beware of all of that. Look out after that. Because this gospel is not a gospel of retreat. This gospel is a gospel of engagement. This gospel is not a gospel of ease. It's a gospel that you have to roll your sleeves up and engage in it. And there are many who've been guilty of what I call experiencing the Eve thing. They believed a lie. It was Lot who went for the fertile land. He didn't listen. Abraham gave him a choice, but he didn't use his head, his spiritual man. He went for the fertile land. Oh, it just happened to be right there near Sodom and Gomorrah, my Lord, but it's fertile land. Esau went for the food to satisfy his appetite because I'm real hungry. Esau went for the food. Achan said, I need a little money. And it looks like to me that the money man has arrived. I'll just take a little and nobody will ever know. Solomon said, man, I can't get enough women. I want you to know he had women running out his ears. But that was the thing. Just get me one more woman. How many of you know that one woman at a time is enough? Come on now. Come on now, if you believe that, say amen. One woman at a time is enough. James and John went for position. Who's going to be the great here? Peter went for the compromise. But let's don't point a finger at them. The Eve thing, it's there. Most of us have been duped by something or someone in society in which we live. And when we get duped and we look and say, you nut. How did you fall for that? How did you get into that? How did you ever let the enemy pull you into that? It's the Eve thing, and we understand it. 1 Peter 5, 8 says the enemy prowls around like what? A toothless lion? What? A roaring lion looking for someone to do what? To devour, to destroy, to tear apart. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, and listen, he says, if I can't get you with the lure of something that's beautiful, here's what Satan said he'd do. I, I can transform myself into an angel of light. I can look just as good as anything you've laid eyes on. An individual lady said the other day, man, I have found me a honk. Well, hallelujah. What grade honk? First class honk? Second class honk? One question. Where does he go to church? Well, you know what I said? De-honk. <laughs> you can't pass first base. Where does he go to church? then my friend, drive that hunk into the deep blue sea. You women are too valuable, too important, and too special to align yourself with someone that's any less than a man of God, true and blue. Amen? Go for that. 
Beware. Transform himself into an angel of light. Beware of the influence of Satan through an ungodly society, and it's all around us. That's the E thing. Everybody got it? Say amen. Here we go. Let's go to the Satan thing. Here's the Satan thing, Matthew 7, 18. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Read it again. There it is. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. That is the law of nature. That's the law of nature. Cannot do it. And since God said it through Jesus, then I just believe that with all my heart. So Jesus declares a parable, and this is what he said. So you can get the Satan thing. You know a tree by the fruit it bears. You know, knowledge, understand, comprehend. You know that tree by the fruit it bears. Grapes do not come from bushes, thorn bushes. A good tree does not bear bad fruit, according to what Jesus taught. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. The Eve thing says that opportunity for evil is all around us. It's out there. The Satan thing says you can have it both ways. Eve thing says it's out there. Satan thing says, hey, Eve, there are enough apples, pears, peaches, persimmons, avocados, you name whatever the fruit was. There's enough on that tree. He won't ever know one is gone out of that tree. Well, you got a point. And I am a little hungry, and I've not had my fruit today. And my dietician told me I need to beef up on my fruit. And what that means is a hamburger, beef up on my fruit, a hamburger with tomatoes on it. <laughs> he won't know. You see, you can have it both ways. That's a lie. Here's the Satan thing. You're dedicated. You are dedicated, buddy. Look at the record of the church. You are there but you don't show up to serve. You can have it both ways. You don't steal, but you don't give your boss man a full day's work. You come in late and you leave early or take long, long lunch breaks. Well, everybody else here is doing it. It's kind of an accepted practice. That's not what you agreed to do. Well, you're loving, oh man, but you're full of vengeance. That's hid deep in there. You can have it both ways. You can look like loving and all of that, but you got vengeance that's unbelievable. You're full of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm full of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm loaded up on the fruit of the Spirit, except my angerness, my anger, my bitterness, and my verbal abuse. Other than that, I'm full of the Spirit. Amen? You can have it both ways. You are full of the Spirit. I mean, that anger, I mean, gracious, out of life. If you got five out of the six or seven that are available, that's good. You're full of the Spirit. 
Except that anger, except that bitterness, that verbal abuse. Oh, I'm faithful too. I want you to know. You can ask anybody down at the church, I'm faithful. Well, let them see your tithe record. Except in my tithing, but I'm faithful. You can have it both ways. Oh, you're a hard worker, but you're not passionate about Jesus. Wow. You're trusting, but you cave in under pressure. And you know what the New Age movement that's hidden under the cover of the New Age movement says and declares you can have it any way you want to. You can improve yourself. You can seek a higher power. And you can have one that suits your needs. Just dial up whatever's convenient to you in the God thing. You can be a good citizen. And everybody say they're a good citizen. And you can be immoral to the core. Have it both ways. Jesus knew that in his time he was speaking to a group who understood, and many of them he knew worshiped other gods. Not just Jehovah, not just honoring the festivals, not just honoring the Passover, but they had a plethora of gods. He also knew that there were many inside the church who would betray whatever it took for their personal gain. For their personal gain. He knew that. So he says, beware. I want you to beware. I want you to understand the Eve thing. I want you to understand the Satan thing. Beware of that. Because he said, an apple tree does not bear oranges. If you see it, run. A grapevine doesn't bear lemons. If you see it, that's an Eve thing and that's a Satan thing. Jesus said, don't let Satan make you believe that you can ride the fence of commitment. You cannot ride the fence of commitment. You get out there in the middle of the road and you will get run over and hurt. You cannot camp there. And if you do, you're going to get hurt. Paul writes in Galatians 3 or Galatians 6 verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Did you hear that? You ought to test your own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Everybody ought to carry your own load. How do you do that? How do you know a person? How do you know a person is on the up and up and not in the Eve thing and not in the Satan thing? By the fruit he bears. Is every orange on the, every orange on the tree a good one in your life? Well, I'm bearing fruit, God, and I know. But there have been a time there might have been a sour orange. Well, we understand that. But does the tree as a whole produce good fruit? Absolutely, God. I might make a mistake. Well, what about a bad orange? What if I fall out of grace and I make a mistake and I fall for the lure of the Eve thing or I fall in the trap of the Satan thing? Then God says, hey, listen to me. My grace is sufficient for every need that you have. If you surrender yourself and you come back on your knees and say, God, I am sorry. He said, I will forgive you over and over and over again and put you in right standing with me. So when I hear, you've heard me say it, 28 years of it, carrots down there, nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. They don't say that to me anymore. Not when I started agreeing with them. It's just like sucking the breath out of them. Church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. I say I'm the lead hypocrite. Aren't you the pastor? Absolutely. Because I'm not perfect. And if you follow me around, you're going to see some error. You're going to see some mistakes. You're going to see some bad decisions. 
But this one thing I do know, in me and my heart of hearts is a desire to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So I am a sinner saved by grace. Amen? Saved by grace. Here we go. Here we go. It's an Eve thing. It's a Satan thing. And it's a God thing. Well, that's a God thing right there. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Comma. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I'm a simple man. That really makes it simple for me. If I just do the will of the Father, I'm in. I'm in. I get my own golf cart. You know? I get a free ride. I don't pay the toll booth anymore. He who does the will of the Father. Am I good enough? Nope. But with him doing his will, I become good enough. Because he is good. So here we go. What do we know? Here's what we know very carefully. We know temptation is here. You don't have to go far to find temptation. Did you know that? Temptation will hunt you down. Temptation knows where you live. Temptation knows your weak spots. So he says, we know temptation is here. Keep a keen eye open. We know that we may fall because we are not invincible. Am I talking to anybody out there? This is not a license for you to go out and curse like a sailor and go to drinking like a pig tonight. That's not what this is. You see, he says, as we understand it to be obedient, he makes this statement, temptation is there and we know that we may fall. And we know that Satan and culture will accommodate you. It will accommodate you. Satan will say, I can set you up really good, make it really easy. I can create circumstances that will help you have your own way. We know that we can judge by the fruit of the tree. I can look at an orange tree, and I mean, I am from a graduate of Eagle Lake Elementary School. But I know an orange tree when I see one. I know an apple tree in the orchard when I see one. Hey, I know a pear tree. How? How? By the fruit. There it is. It's by the fruit. That's the type of tree and the quality of the fruit. But Jesus says, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Beware of the wolves. Watch out for the Eve thing. Watch out for the Satan thing. Don't let him set you up so easily. Then the one who does the will of my Father. What is that? That is to be obedient to God. When you learn obedience, obedience becomes easier. 
When you learn obedience, obedience becomes easier. But you don't walk, if you are a former alcoholic, you don't walk into some bar to test whether or not you can resist alcohol. Well, I'm just going to be on my obedience. I can stand up. Get out of there. Don't get in an environment that gives you an easy road to fail. Be obedient to God. And then what sustains you? It's to serve God. Roll your sleeves up and serve the Lord. And that is humble yourself. Say, well, God can humble you. We know that. But he says, you humble yourself. And that is to release your personal agenda. In other words, God, I, I drive, but I want to release the steering wheel to you. I want you to guide. I, I want to be obedient. I want to serve. I want to humble myself. I want to release my personal agenda to you. That's it. First Corinthians 2, when I came to you, Paul says, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. I knew a lot about the law, but a lot about this, this revelation of Jesus' truth, I didn't know much about it. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except one thing. I learned this one thing. It's not about semantics. It's not about theology necessary. It's not about hermeneutics, not about homiletics. He said, here's what I learned. I learned, hey, if I just get to know Jesus, if I just get to know Jesus, Jesus and him crucified, then he said, I found out I, I'm, I'm going to win. I, I found out that my life is not my own. And Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. I can serve God. He says, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul said, it's really easy. Accept Jesus Christ, I serve him, and I am crucified with Christ, and I'm staying right there under his umbrella. I'm going to be the Elisha of Elijah. He ain't getting away from me. He's not going anywhere except I'm going to be with him. He goes to Jericho, I'm going to be there. He goes to Bethel, I'm going to be there. If he goes to Gilgal, I'm going to be there. God, wherever you go, however you lead on the mountain or in the valley, climbing up or coming down, I want you to know I'm going to be found in your shadow. I'm not going to be over here doing things that's going to tempt me. I'm going to stay under the anointing of the glory of God where the Holy Spirit falls and my spirit man can grow and I can become greater than you than I I have ever been. My friend, just make your mind up to do that, and you'll have a revolutionary life in Jesus Christ. Yes. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's hard to come to church Let's, on a Sunday night when much of the culture said, ah, just get a little dabble, do you? Well, my friend, let me tell you something. Here's what I do know. Hallelujah. I want all of God I can get. I enjoy getting with you. I enjoy worshiping with you. I enjoy honoring God with you. I enjoy telling people, listen, you may not come to church on Sunday morning as I told the gal who when I asked her, do you know what this Sunday is? Or do you know what today is? She said, no. I said, it's Sunday. She said, well, I knew it was Sunday. I said, it's Palm Sunday. She said, what's that? What's that? Palm Sunday is when Jesus came into Jerusalem. 
Oh, yeah. I said, it's Palm Sunday. You know what next Sunday is? She said, what? It's Easter. She said, I have to work every Sunday morning. I get here at 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, well, how about Sunday night? Are you working then? (laughs) Y'all with me? Jesus said it. There are many who can build great kingdoms and might build great thrones and might have a great name. But if Christ is not in the center of it, it's all in vain. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, 23, that I will tell those people plainly, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoer. Serving God and being involved and engaged, fighting off the Eve thing, denying the Satan thing, but doing the God thing. Jesus said it. Take my yoke upon you. Take my name upon you. Take my heart upon you. Learn from me. Stay with me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. You won't be confused. You won't worry. You won't be upset. You won't be disdained. My yoke is easy and my burden is light because there will be no guilt as you seek my face. And when you raise your hand to rejoice, You can do it with a grateful heart for all the things I have done. So an Eve thing is right here. The Satan thing will trick you, but the God thing will forgive you and establish you and give you joy that passes all your understanding. Amen? Let's give the Lord a clap offering and stand on your feet. Here we go. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We love you. We honor you. You are holy. We are individuals that have found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We're individuals that we believe in amazing grace. We're individuals, God, that we talk about we're on this journey. Well, there's no more exciting journey than the journey to be able to walk with Jesus. It's not an enduring journey. Serving you is not a challenge. God living for you, look what I gave up to follow Jesus, hogwash. We gave up a life of sin, a life of consequence, a life of sadness, a life of pain, a life that flows with a culture that winds up with an empty promise. But with you, you're a promise keeper. With you, you're a grace giver. With you, you're a mercy builder. With you, you're a kingdom builder. With you, you make intercession for us. That means our strength is not enough for when I'm weak, you are strong. And God, when I'm confused, you bring clarity of mine. And when I'm discouraged, you speak peace into my heart. 
And when I am downtrodden, you lift me up, God. When my hands are too heavy to lift up, you shore them up and give someone to encourage me. You are the God of all gods, the King of all kings. And when I'm sick, you bring healing to me. And when I am up, God, you have the ability to give me wisdom to be able to know what to do and cause me to shine even though my talent may not be there. You go before me and behind me and you rest on either side of me. You are above me and you are below me and you hold me in the palm of your hand. How could I not love you, God? I don't have to have a blue day. I don't have to have a day where I cry all day long. When my heart's broken, you mend my heart back and every single piece and make it so it is better than ever. When I feel like I have been lied to, I can go to you and hear the truth in the power of the name of Jesus Christ, Father. When I'm out of breath, you breathe through my nostrils the power of the Holy Spirit, and every day is like a new day, the dawning of a new promise, and the promise, God, that is everlasting. That's who I serve. It's easy to serve a God like that. Why would I take a royal robe that you have given me and let the enemy mess it up and bring his trash and his dirt and put dirt on my robe? I will not have it. I am holy through the holiness of Jesus Christ. I am a conqueror by the authority of his word. I'm an overcomer by the blood and by the word of my testimony. And my testimony is, devil, you're a liar in the name of Jesus. And God, with all of that, how can I not love you? How can I not surrender to you? You call me for a better life. You call me for a life that's not filled with anguish or guilt. You call me to a life that I can soar like an eagle and I can enjoy abundant blessing. You call me to a life of faith that I can believe in the impossible and know that according to your will, it shall be done. And I can believe that. You call me not to retreat. You call me to advance and to come forward and to embrace you. In Jesus' name, you said try you, test you, taste of you, and see if you are not good. And God, we can do that anytime, any day with a God like that. How could we ever fall for the Eve thing? How could we ever fall for the Satan thing? Why couldn't we just have the God thing and rejoice in the Lord? Those of you that might not be right with Jesus in your heart, maybe in this room or listening live to us, you know that there's something missing. You've heard this message and you realize, well, I need a tune-up. I need something to lift me up. I need something to bring forgiveness into my life. And tonight you've come to the realization you've been duped by the Eve thing. You've been duped by the Satan thing. Some of you are living in sin and you know it. You know what you're doing. And the Bible said that that he that knoweth to do good or do right and you don't do it. It's sin. And you heard about sin this morning. Sin separates you from God. No matter how much you may praise God, it separates you. It creates a lack of intimacy. Deal with that. Deal with that. The enemy will make it hard for you to deal with it. And God said, no, it really is easy. Cast your care on me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I'm meek, I'm gentle, I'm mild. That's all it is. 
Let's repeat this prayer together, shall we? Dear Jesus, I am sorry. I am in sin, and I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Take my life. Give me the strength to recognize the power of sin, to recognize the power of darkness. I am aware of Eve and that spirit. I am aware of Satan and his lies. But I am aware of God, for he is truth. He died to redeem me of my sins. I ask you, come into my heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, Father God, may I produce fruit. Come on now. May I produce fruit. Say it after me. May I produce fruit that brings pleasure to you. May I grow in the power of your spirit. May my life be a reflection of your heart, of your life. May my life reflect forgiveness and the love of Jesus with everyone. Father God, do not allow anything to stay in my heart, to stay in my life, that accommodates the enemy. So in Jesus' name, take it out and bring peace and joy to my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together and let's thank him. Would you? The workers are here. The workers are here. If you need to come to this altar for healing, for redemption, oh, mighty Jesus, whatever you need, just slip down here. Maybe some of you couples need to come. Maybe there's just so much unrest. You just let Jesus bring healing to you. Maybe you're struggling on your job, and I mean you're fighting resentment. Maybe you've been betrayed by someone close to you. God's speaking to you. Right now, slip as we sing this song. You come down, and God will take care of it. Amen. Here we go. Sing together.